Now, um, let's begin our worship service by going to God and in his word. And today I'm going to be reading from James um, chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. Therefore, brothers and sisters, you must be patient as you wait for the coming of the Lord. Consider the farmer who waits patiently for the coming of rain in the fall and spring, looking forward to the precious fruit of the earth. You must also wait patiently, strengthening your resolve because the coming of the Lord is near. Don't complain about each other, brothers and sisters, so that you won't be judged. Look, the judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of the patient resolve and steadfastness. Look at how we honor those who practice endurance. You have heard of the endurance of Job, and you have seen what the Lord has accomplished, for the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Scripture. Our hearts and minds are open. Amen. I am uh, absolutely addicted to Publix chicken fingers. Uh, they're the absolute best, and if you've had them, you know what I'm I'm talking about. And if you can get them right when they come out of the fryer, it's almost the perfect chicken finger. Uh, a couple of months ago, I was headed to Publix to pick up some lunch and I was in a hurry. And I, I stopped by the counter and the chicken fingers were empty. And I asked the lady, I said, uh, how, or do you have more chicken fingers back there? And she checked and she said, it'd be about eight minutes. And I thought to myself, eight minutes. How do you run out of your most popular lunch item? And I said, I, I can't wait. I got to go. I left. Eight minutes. What makes us so impatient? Why is it so hard for us to slow down and stop? You know, it's no secret that, that we live in a fast-paced culture, a hurried-up existence. You know, it wasn't too long ago that, that getting uh, a communication, an email from, from your boss uh, at night or during the weekend would have been considered rude. Uh, now it's considered rude if you don't answer them at night or, or over the weekend. We've become expected to be on 24 Seven, we, we've reached, I think, the pinnacle of an instant gratification culture. Uh, Maggie Dunaway, our pastor of congregational care, uh, a few months ago uh, received um, on the pastoral care line a call from, from someone, and it was after hours, and she was out with friends, and so when she was done, she checked the message and called back. And the person was, was pretty uh, upset. They said, you, you guys have four pastors. Somebody can't answer the phone? Now, if it would have been a true pastoral emergency, I would have totally understood the anxiety. But it wasn't even an emergency. They just had a question about something going on in the church. One of the challenges we face is that God doesn't work off our timetable. 
You know, God's timing is different from the world's, yet we expect God to work in our instant gratification culture. And being a follower of Jesus requires us to be patient. And we just have to be real that that our patience muscle, if you will, is not something that we're used to exercising. And in this last week in our study of the letter that James wrote to Jesus' followers, he encourages them, and he's trying to teach us that being doers of the word means that we have to be patient when things get crazy. And we do this because we understand that God is compassionate. What, what James is trying to do throughout this letter is to inspire people to live out their faith. He's not interested in, in deep theological discussions. He, he wanted to make Jesus relevant to people's lives. He laid out what I think is his main point in the very first chapter, and I've been using it all throughout the series, and let's, let's say it together since we've been doing this. Uh, you must be doers of the word and not only hearers who mislead themselves. What makes James different from some of the other letters that we find in the New Testament is his attention to that there are realities to the choices that we make. What we do or don't do affects our life. And we need to choose the wisdom of God rather than the wisdom of the world. And, and James is giving people an alternative to worldly wisdom that, that embraces things like envy and pride. In this part of the letter, he's imparting godly wisdom that we need to have patience. He writes in verse 7, Therefore, brothers and sisters, you must be patient as you wait for the coming of the Lord. You know, for the people in the early church, they believed that Christ's return was imminent, that it was about to happen. They didn't believe it would happen within the year or the month or even the week. They believed that it could happen within the hour. And so with every passing day, people uh, began to slip back into old habits and living in the way of the culture instead of living how Jesus taught them. And James is trying to encourage them to have patience as you wait on Christ's return. For James, it's not about the when, and it's not even about the if. It's about living as doers of the word. Uh, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism 
in the 1700s, the Methodist movement, would call this moving or living on, moving on to Christian perfection. For, for Wesley, Christian perfection was a, a state of being, of being fully devoted to God. A person who was perfect, or, or the, actually the better translation for our day would, would be the person who was whole, would avoid the ways of the culture and be wholeheartedly committed to loving God and neighbor fully. Uh, Jesus continues, I mean James continues, I'm sorry. Uh, Don't complain about each other, brothers and sisters, so that you won't be judged. Look, the judge is standing at the door. Did you know that John Wesley coined the phrase, agree to disagree? Uh, It was, uh, I believe the first time it was heard or written was in a eulogy that Wesley gave for George Whitfield. Now, George Whitfield and him were theological rivals. They, They debated a lot. They argued a lot. But yet they learned to respect each other, which has created kind of a hallmark of what it means to be Methodist. What it means to be Methodist is is that the mission is more important than whether or not we're right. What what it means to be Methodist is that we can disagree on significant things and still be the community of Christ together. James uh, was warning Jesus' followers not to get bogged down in the minutia of complaining about each other. He was saying that being doers of the word means being patient when things get all crazy. And that patience comes from understanding that God is incredibly compassionate. We need to be compassionate also. Uh, In our journey through the letter of James, we've encountered practical wisdom to deal with challenges in our our daily lives. Uh, One of the things that we've talked about uh, as we've been designing what modern worship would look like here at Asbury, something that's become important to us is is that your Monday, and, and this is a phrase that I first heard from Jeremiah, Tool. He's our um, coordinator, our director of modern worship. And, and he said, we want to be a place where our Mondays are better because we were here on Sunday. Uh, you know, our community of faith is named after the first uh, Methodist bishop, Francis Asbury. And, and one of his famous quotes is, my desire is to live more to God today than yesterday and be more holy this hour than the last. Now, I talk a lot about how transformation doesn't happen overnight, that I use that 1% change over time as what really makes transformation happening. And you can see that in this quote, right? You can see that thought of how to be more holy this hour than the last.
in our text today, we find a moving call to be patient in the face of adversity through a simple illustration of a farmer who probably had no idea about the science of farming like we do today, but yet had patience to wait on the crop. And I think this illustration can give us a really good idea of how we can help bridge that gap we have between who we are right now and who God knows that we can be. Uh, In verse 7, it says, Consider the farmer who waits patiently for the coming of the rain to fall, for the rain in the fall and spring. Let me start over. Consider the farmer who waits patiently for the coming of rain in the fall and spring. Looking forward to the precious fruit of the earth, you must also wait patiently, strengthening your resolve, because the coming of the Lord is near. I think one of the first things that that we can learn from from this passage about patience is, is to recognize is that we're not in control of, of everything. You know, farmers, they don't control when it rains or the sunshine. <laughs> Yet, the farmer waits patiently for the crops to come in the spring. And, and that's very similar in our lives. There are circumstances that are just beyond our control that we don't have any say-so in. It might be uncertainty of of the future. It might be thinking about what's going on in the Middle East or, or, or the Ukraine. It might be a challenging relationship that we have or, or we might be stressed about unmet expectations. Now, the first thing is to accept that we can't control all of these things. What we need to do is focus on the things that we can control and how do we respond to them. And I think the best thing that we can do when we're faced with adversity and need to wait is to identify what's most important. The farmer isn't fixated on the waiting. He's not. He's fixated on what matters most, the crops. Likewise, in our lives, we don't need to be fixated on the the big problem that, that we can't control, but we need to keep our eyes on what's truly important. James encourages us to strengthen our hearts, emphasizing the full, compassionate nature of God. Those are the things that we need to concentrate on. Last week, we read how God desires good things for his people. We're invited to fix our eyes on God. We're we're invited to participate in in the wisdom of God rather than the wisdom of 
the world. And, and when we get in uncomfortable situations and, and we find ourselves in need of patience, when we focus on these things is when we see ourselves able to move past the bad times. You know, our culture is becoming increasingly isolated. Um, some of the studies that, that I read through the week about how so many, so many people in our culture I feel alone, they feel anxious. It's because we're isolated. It's because technology has given us so many wonderful things, but it's also given us the ability to not need each other as much. And so I think one of the biggest things that we can do to have patience is to wait together. You know, farming is inherently communal. It, it requires so much cooperation. It requires uh, different jobs within the family or, or within the hired hands. It, it requires farmers to, to work together, especially in the hard times of drought and crisis. And it's very similar to how we are as well in our Christian lives. We need each other to get help through the hard times. Uh, waiting together has a powerful practice. The, the earliest of Christians, like the ones that James is writing to, were encouraged to wait together to depend on each other, which means that we bear each other's burdens. It means we give up on who wins and who loses. It means that we come together as the body of Christ. As a community, we can provide support and strength during all kinds of times, helping each other move along in our Christian walk. You know, we, we have just started an incredibly busy season, haven't we? <laughs> December is one of the most chaotic months on the calendar, so much so that some people call May, Maysimber. Have y'all y'all heard that? You know, we're, we're about to have office parties and small group parties. Uh, we're, we're in the process, many of us, of getting the house just right for Christmas. And we're going to be fixated on preparing meals and getting that wonderful gift. Uh, for me, it seems like the entire season moves so fast and furious that I wonder sometimes, what's the point? But being doers of the word means being patient when things get crazy and they're about to get crazy. And that patience comes from an understanding that God is incredibly compassionate. Being doers of the word is something we have said nearly every week 
in this series. And what does that mean? What, what did James mean when he said being doers of the word? Does that mean doing what the scripture says? Perhaps, but don't fire me for this. I think when we just focus on the word being the scriptures, we've missed an important part of what James was telling people to do. Do you think James thought he was writing the word when he said be doers of the word? He was just writing to a group of Christians trying to encourage them to, to follow Jesus faithfully. So, so what does that mean, be doers of the word? Well, think Jesus for John, right? John's gospel opens with this. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. And the word was with God. The word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the word. And without the word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the word was life. And life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word in the flesh that came to show us how to live. Being doers of the word means embodying the way of Jesus together. Next week, we start Advent. It's a season where we get to exercise our patience muscle just a little bit. And I hope and pray that you will be here each and every week as together we learn the beauty of Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Oh God, help us. Help us to be your people. Help us to be your people in this place. Help us to have the patience of Job. As Job struggled through hard times, focused on what matters most, your love and compassion. In Jesus' name, amen.